It's Wednesday night. You're listening to Query on WRTFM Madison. My name is Greg Potter. I am your host this evening. And that was Callaway. I want to be rich. Clearly, it clues into what we might be talking about tonight. Uh, before I bring on my amazing, beautiful, fantastic, brilliant guest, which she might pipe in here before I formally introduce her, uh, I wanted to just celebrate a couple things because as every day we are seeing headlines and all these other things. So I just want to point out a couple weird, quirky, interesting things that I've seen. Oh, yeah. First, I need to just celebrate uh, my team. Uh, and I launched the membership drive of the International Institute on Collaboration this week. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it was, it's been a lot of work, as Afra knows, about starting a brand new thing. This has been in the works for quite a few years now. And uh, if you are interested in even just knowing what it is, go to internationalinstituteoncollaboration.com and you can find some information out about it. We uh, the membership drive has a lot of great deals until the end of March, and uh, the SEO is not there yet. So don't try to Google it because it's not there, but it is there anyway. Okay, so I was perusing the internets, the World Wide Web's, and I came across this interesting thing: Lush Bath Bathworks Lush mm. Soap uh, has released. A bath bomb that smells like salt burn. It's the salt burn <laughs> theme. And I don't know who out there has watched salt burn, uh, but I don't know who would want to buy this. But Lush is clearly uh, earning some money off of it. So wow, wow. go Lush and go anyone who wants to smell the bottom of the bathtub. <laughs> um, uh, there is a... Uh, 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 in Washington, D.C., I just lost my words. Thank you for listening. Uh, in Washington, D.C., there is a bar that was going to be closed in a remote neighborhood. And uh, the community has come together to make sure that they survive. And mm. the community, the bar owner was like, I don't know what i do without them. So this community has rallied. And now this LGBTQ bar, a fully inclusive bar, is going to stay open. Uh, but that brings up the idea of third space and mm. how do we continue to save these unique, beautiful, necessary spaces in our communities as we become more online-verse. So uh, as you're thinking about things this week and thinking about where you enjoy having your third space, uh, really think about what you do to keep them there and keep those spaces going. Uh, little ton, little ton. New Hampshire, uh, they are a small city, about 6,000 people, and they make a lot of money off of the LGBTQ community. Mm. I have read this, and it kind of looks like it is in like Saugatuck, Michigan, mm. uh, uh, which tends to be more of a gay man destination, <laughs> but it is it very- like Palm Beach. Right. It's very, <laughs> very pride, very pride flag, very gay, very, let's get that the gay money, the gay dollar. And so that's how Littleton is, but they are still putting up a lot of anti-gay things, and the community is going up against the very conservative people on the city board, and the city manager has quit and will not go back to their job, their position until a couple of these things. So voice, use our voice. It's there. We have power. And the last thing I want to bring up is the Indiana L- anti-LGBT 
A plus snitch line has been <laughs> overdone. Have you heard about this? No. <laughs> it has. It, they launched it last week. Sorry if I don't have this wow. exactly right. What is going on? And immediately they were overdrawn with memes with the like the B movie uh, screenplay was put on there. Like they were overdrawn. Coders are going up against it. And it made me think of it made me think of the TED talk about the woman who talked about how she coded to go against the critical race theory hotline in Florida. And just how just we have so many tools at our disposal that, yes, it really sucks that these laws and things are happening. But if we can still find a way, we are still fighting. The fight is not over until and this all that all leads to my final song when we get there, when we close out the show, because we all are here doing everything we can until our last breath. It is it is Black History Month this month and every month. We are here equitable. We are here to fight and we are here to remember where we came from and support those who are deserving of the equity that some of us are privileged to. So with that, with that said, uh, you can wait with bated breath until the end of the show. <laughs> now, I am so lucky. This person that is sitting next to me, I got to work with last year. I We ran in circles that crossed each other for many years but we never officially got to meet and yes. so i got a an email last year saying hey we're doing this conference and we we're told that you could assist and and uh, me and afra smith at that moment became friends yes we did and uh afra is a local entrepreneur she is she is the founder of the melanin project she is an advocate. She is a speaker. If anyone's listening and you were at the open annual celebration dinner last year, oh my gosh. You I mean you took down the house. And that's saying how that's after Dina rode a bike around the Monona Terrace. So that, you know, and she is just a genuine loving human being. And she's here to talk about many things tonight, including the Wealth Literacy Conference on April 13th. And but first, welcome to the show, Ephra. Thank you, Greg, for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to um, talking to you tonight. Of yes. course. Well, thank you. Well, first, before we get into the details, and I know I sent you all these questions, but you know how it goes, and we might make three of them. <laughs> tell tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. So, uh, of course, my name is Afra Smith. I am founder and CEO of the Melanin Project. I consider myself to be a serial entrepreneur. I have multiple businesses. I also work full time uh, during the day in healthcare, uh, and so I'm focused on you know empowering others through uh, the eradication of wealth. And it's all you know based on my personal story. So uh, that is uh, me at a high level in a nutshell. So, well, let's get into let's get a little more lower level then. Um, first, what what the so generic question? This is so silly, but I'm asking it really so you can pull out some of your mm. beautiful story from that night at Monona Terrace for the Open Network. So, uh, okay, okay, uh, okay. How did you become focused on wealth literacy? You know, um, the Melanin Project is really based off of my my personal story. The brand is really built up off uh, everything that I have gone through. Um, to be where I am today. And that is related to um, me having a credit score in the mid 500s, having 10 to 12 payday loans, being upside down in my vehicle, paying 25% interest on a car note, 
uh, being late on every bill, having a massive amount of student loan debt, uh, being unbanked, you know, no financial institution would a- actually give me a bank account. Uh, and then you couple that with anxiety and depression. My life was just kind of in a spiral. And so being able to take the journey through that has really led me to here today. And I always say that life lessons are the best teachers to be able to teach back to other people. And so I'm really, um, uh, I really feel um, a sense of responsibility and accountability to give back to, to other people um, through my story and through some of the other things that I'm working on developing and things that I currently have in place today. And if you want to hear the full story, reach out to her and hire her to be your keynote because she's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and, and thank you for sharing all that. I was not intending for you to deep dive in there, but thank you for yeah. sharing. Um, and the one thing that you just brought up in there that I don't think you know is that one day you and I were at happy hour and since the pandemic, mm-hmm. I went back in time to the trailer court and like a lot of horrible memories of trying to get out of that. And you said something essentially of you did it once. You can do it again. Absolutely. And and if anyone's sitting there in a moment, especially, I mean, those the Elmo tweet this week or the X and the responses to the Elmo, of like, how are you feeling? And. A lot of people are feeling it. A majority of the people are feeling it. So if right now you're feeling it, remember, if you did it once, you can do it again. Yes. And you're getting a lot of energy from these two people on mics. Yes. Um, now, what is the difference between financial or financial literacy and wealth literacy? Yeah. First, uh, I will say this. Um, uh, and I, I'll actually share this here. Um, in twenty After the 2024 conference, I'm actually going to be rebranding a little bit to um, move away from the term literacy. So we can talk about that today. So I'll be moving towards the term wealth empowerment or financial empowerment because I feel like the uh, there's a negative connotation with um, the term literacy and it only um, subscribes one way of associating our, our um, um, um our focus on finance. And so when I think about like financial literacy and wealth literacy, I feel like financial literacy is very limited to uh, the budget, right? It doesn't encompass everything that comes with um, uh, many folks who are representative of historically marginalized communities, specifically black and Latinx communities. And so when I think about uh, all the things that are associated with what I had to go through and what I see in data and what I see in the folks that show up to me, wealth uh, empowerment is so very, very important. And I think, you know, uh, uh, encompassing all the elements associated with that uh, are uh, allow us to be much more deeper and much more intentional and um, bigger. I want to make it bigger, right? I feel like we're we're limited if we only focus on one aspect of, of you just need to learn how to budget. And I that was the one thing that's not true at all. Right. Yeah. I can budget as much as I want if yes. when there's money coming in, but yes. if there's no money coming in. Yes. And I'm spending 99 cents on the cheapest bread I yes. can get and you know, it's <laughs> budget's the easiest part to figure right. out. I've never had anybody not master how to do a budget. Right. It is everything else that comes with um the connection to it and you start to dive deep, you discover so much about yourself and about others. You really do. Oh my gosh, I am oh my I don't have a notepad. Okay, we're going to get back to this in 2 seconds, but right now I'm listening to Oh no, I've got I've got it. Thank you. Uh right now I'm re-listening to The Power of Now mm-hmm. and in that I'm realizing how deep rooted my lack of presence is with my financial history. And it's so interesting, but let's go back to the empowerment pieces. Cause you were, as you were talking about that, I had an aha moment and I don't need mean to lead the witness quote unquote, <laughs> but 
the with literacy, I had this realization, and maybe this is me getting late to the game, or I'm di- reading too deep into it. But with the terms literacy, in that it almost has this like colonialist feel of like mm-hmm. we've now got here, and now you have to be able to speak yes. our language. Yes, as opposed to the empowerment of which we all we to- all totally miss all yeah. the time. Was empowerment means you have power, and yeah. I have power. Uh, the term literacy also doesn't acknowledge the system. You know, the systems that have um, also um, cultivated and created a lot of the disparities that we see we see today. You know, I was um, shared uh, some some new data got shared with me uh, this week uh, relative to 2022 by the Urban Institute. Uh, and I was looking at just, um, you know, just a staggering data. And if that doesn't call people to action, I don't know what will. You know, the median net worth of whites in, in the state of Wisconsin in 2022 uh, was 169K. For uh, Latinx communities, it was 11K. And for black black people in uh, the state of Wisconsin, it's 2K. And when you think about the median, that means that half the group have less. These statistics are scary for me. And, it, you know, it, I'll, I'll be honest to tell you that it caused a lot of it, a lot of anxiety for me. I am where I am and I'm, I'm successful. But I, it, again, that what drums up in me, I feel the need to educate people and to lead people out of that and kind of signal this is a warning for us. Right. The system is broken. It's not working. People aren't responding. And so uh, in looking at that, I think about it's not just about blaming the individual person I think that we have a part to play in it but when I think about wealth empowerment that means the individual can be personally empowered but also the system and the the people that are around can also empower individuals to take this walk uh, through a number of means that I can talk about but you know again I think that um, the data helps to drive um, the the stories that that I know are prevalent in our community completely and there are so many ways that each individual can combat that can make that median get those extremes get closer in the middle and you know and we could talk about that forever do you want to add anything before i ask another question because that I can go all day greg i know and that know. that that could be a whole <laughs> yeah but i want you, I, your your face is saying you want to add one more thing to that um, you know, I, no, I think I cleaned it up there. Otherwise, I'll get to to data. Okay, data, I'll spill it all out. I'll get to data data driven. But you know, again, I think that that I, I just want people to be called to action that financial literacy is one scope. And the other thing I'll tell you know, if there's any employers listening out today that I think our benefit packages need to expand. You know, more. I think we have a heavy focus on investing. Uh, but if you don't have any money to invest, that means we need to move towards having budgeting and access to budgeting and other uh, means of helping people build their their financial houses up. So I would, you know, uh, encourage uh, our employers also to start looking at some of the data around the experience of their employees. They're showing up to work and they're stressed because they don't have money. There's a correlation between economics, your your economics and your health. So how do you think your employees are showing up to work every day? And I think, again, there's a big disconnect. And we see that in the data for the state of Wisconsin. Right. That data just shook me, and I'm familiar with this this world. And so, if it's shaking me, I can't imagine if more people saw that data and were oh, well the extremes of what you just said. I've got to move on now, though, because this is query, and I also want to bring in the LGBTQ community. So, the LGBTQ community, already, you know, there. But then, when we get to queer people of color, the marginalization and the amount of assets and ability to build wealth is even worse. I mean, trans women, trans women of color, I mean, it's not a pretty picture. So how can, where where do we even begin? You know, uh, there's something that shows up in our society where 
uh, even if you so-called belong to a certain affinity group or um, you are a part of a certain group, there's always this dynamic that part of that group gets left out. They're the other, right? This whole othering factor of uh, they're not a part of our community. And I think that causes um, a, a, a big disconnect. I think there is, a, a, of course, some intersectionality of um, issues surrounding wealth empowerment and financial inclusion. But what I would say to people that um, I think is important, number one, you got to build community around an issue. You want to make something important, you got to build community around it. And secondly, I think um, learning and education is so very critical because you don't know what you don't know until you start engaging with it. And you realize 10 years ago, my reflection of my life and uh, what I was able to do is completely different. I am fueled by my vision. I don't feel like anything or anyone can stop me. There's no roadblock that's going to stop me. But what I feel like, uh, especially with um, historically marginalized communities, specifically with our trans, non-binary and queer folks, is we walk around in a world where we allow people to define who we are and it stops everything about us. And I keep saying, you know, we can't um, we can't allow other people to control everything about us. And so we are so reactive to everything. It doesn't excuse the experience or the fact that people um, subject, subject us to hatred. Right. But I can't be defined by you. And I, and I feel like um, we have to get to a point where we're doing more internal work than we're doing to try to ask somebody to please receive me, to please love me, please accept me. And I got tired of that. I don't I don't want that world. So I started to figure out what it is that I could do on my own and where my community my community was. Where is my community at that has similar um, similar um understanding or or means or uh, people want to feel empowered around a subject you got to build community around it uh, instead of us trying to force ourselves into pockets and molds that we just we really shouldn't try to squeeze ourselves into so you know there's a quote by um sarah um sarah sarah jakes and she says that you can't force your anointing in spaces you are not called and I just think that's so beautiful. Will you say it, say it one more time for the listeners? Uh, you can't force your anointing in spaces you are not called. So I feel like sometimes you're trying to force yourself into a space that you're not supposed to be. And I did that my entire professional career. A part of it um, impacted my financial house, trying to fit myself into something that I never really wanted to in the first place. So there was two parts of it. Number one, you didn't want me to be there because of certain parts of my identity. But second, I wasn't supposed to be there anyway. I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at doing this. And I don't feel that same energy and sentiment. So I feel like what I have learned to do and what I would tell uh, my trans uh, and non-binary peers uh, is that we have to learn the art of, of the pivot and we have to start focusing on our mental and emotional health uh, and as a means of um, um, to decondition ourselves from um, the impact and the exposure of what happens all day long, the rhetoric, the TV stuff, our community, the science, it's constant. And so you have to figure out how you're going to cope with things that you know are going to continue to come at you because we know it's not going to go away. So I'm not going to give energy to the negativity or the people that don't like me because I have 20 people over here who will love and receive everything about me. So that is what I would say regarding that. Educate yourself and get yourself in a community and build with a community. There's power in numbers. In what you were saying, in what you said, you also mentioned inner work, and that's encompassing everything that you, you just said. How did you start doing your inner work? What was your first couple of steps? I got pissed off. Um, and when you piss me off, I will, I will, uh, I will, um, work harder. Um, and I'll just say that I had an aha moment. Um, and that aha moment kind of woke me up and I realized that I was, 
um, seeking external sources to better my life. I was literally in survival mode versus thriving. I was I was in security mode versus freedom mode. And so when you start to realize that you have a lot of power and you start to see how that power can activate, then you stop. I don't I don't focus anymore on the roadblocks, the barriers and the people that don't like me. Everything is internal for me. Right. What can I do to push myself through that? What can I do to get in that door? What can I do? What do I need to do to move myself forward? And if this this lane isn't working, I'll pivot. I'll turn on my light and I'll get in the other lane. But I'm not going to sit over here and allow this person, this individual, this barrier, this system to keep me from um, living the life that I know that I deserve. So, again, it's just it's a it's a mindset factor and really deconditioning myself from what I've been conditioned and told. You're not good enough. Uh, you're not supposed to be doing that. That's not for women. Uh, you are a queer black woman in finance. You're not supposed to be doing those things, right? You're, you're, you're not you're not represented in this room while you're here. I break down all of that. None of that bothers me today. All these rules that were made up by people that didn't know they were making up and they're rules that can be changed and not they're not really real. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's not real. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble saying that, but it's the truth. Uh, so... In the next, in, in April, you've got the next Wealth Literacy Conference, which, listeners, you heard it's going to evolve into a new brand and new name and, and into an empowerment. But let's talk about what's coming up and what is the Wealth Literacy Conference in April going to look like? Yeah, so uh, April 13th on a Saturday, uh, 9 a.m., please join if you're able. Uh, our theme for the year is the Wealth Recipe. So Ooh. I've selected a group of speakers to be able to engage with that, not only from a personal perspective, but I feel like, again, each one teach one. We, we should be able to learn from one another. And I think connecting into stories of people who are who have been able to navigate through systems um, and people who have been able to navigate through pain, people had that have been able to navigate through trauma. Uh, and who have stories, not that they're probably uh, not still dealing with those things. We all are. We're still unpacking that. It's a journey. It's not a race. But I'm excited to be able to, uh, again, cultivate a, a, a safe uh, and empowering uh, experience for people to be able to tap in and to learn from one another. And again, it will have all those areas that encompass uh, wealth empowerment, economic mobility. Uh, we'll have um, some financial, um, personal, personal financial uh, information in there. Uh, and so I'm excited about the speaker lineup. I'm not going to tell you who's coming but because I'm, I'm going to announce that in the coming weeks. Uh, but we're going to unpack some of these wealth recipes. I got some great speakers coming and I can't wait to offload. Oh, listeners, I wish you could see your face. It was just so mischievous and beautiful. <laughs> Last year's conference had the mo- it cr- the space that was created was comforting and loving and stern. And I mean, everything you want in a proper mom. It was, you know, it was you did a great job of creating experience that people left with mm. tangible items on how to how to work their next steps in their life wherever they are at. How is how do you feel about that and how did that respond to you or mirror to you? You know, it's really important to me. And one of the things that I said at the very beginning of the start of that conference was this space is not about racial disparities. We're not going to have that conversation here because there's other conferences that are doing that. I don't need to replicate that. This space that we're in is about personal empowerment. How do we personally empower ourselves uh, through as individuals, but also through the connection and resources that you have here? Uh, And also, you know, giving out that community resource guide because we do have access to resources here. Are we engaging with them? Do we know where they are, whether it's free or paid? They are available to us. And so I don't want anybody to feel like 
they are going to miss out on anything. And so I feel like the cultivation of that space uh, was through the people that were actually there and also the speakers who came in um, to give us their time for a first year conference and really trusted us to be able to bring that vision together. And so I'm really grateful for what was cultivated and the experience um, uh, and feedback that we were uh, given through our, our surveys that we took. So I'm really excited. And I think that to be able to do this on a larger scale and to invite more people in, uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to see how, how we, how we do this year. Oh, so beautiful. Go check it out. Go check it out. Uh, you know yourself so well. What is your what is what is this big goal that this is all supporting? Like, what is this? Where is this being directed in Afro Smith's life? I'm starting a movement in this state. And my goal is, of course, I want to take this conference statewide because disparities are not just in, in Madison. Right. It's the state state of Wisconsin. And so uh, folks down in Milwaukee are also, you know, suffering some of the same same uh, issues that are here in, in our local community. Uh, but I also see uh, the idea about wealth empowerment is also about um, intergenerational wealth, generational wealth. And you can't build wealth unless you're also incorporating kids. So I think it's important that we allow our children to also engage with learning education uh, along with parents uh, and families. And so I look forward to not only extending this across the state, but the incorporation of um, uh, wealth empowerment for kids into this conference, because you can certainly make the money. Uh, but if we're not providing um, access to the learning education they need, they're not going to keep it right. It's, it's just going to um, uh, dwindle down with the generation that passes. And so I look forward to um, uh, hopefully uh, help support some of the data that's, that shows race to equity report. We don't need any more of those. That shows that uh, kids need just, just as much um, um, learning education as the adults. And I'm happy to see that the state has introduced um, having that as part of a curriculum uh, moving forward. But again, that's just one aspect of it. I think people need to have a safe place to be able to learn this information. Agreed. And I love that you brought that up. I'm getting the same feedback with the collaboration work, too, is like children need to learn how to collaborate. Why are we focusing in? So we have all these after school, so like the kids have gymnastics and all these 10 million activities that they can be doing. We can fill some of that space and with with financial empowerment, with wealth empowerment, yes. with collaboration. Yes. Like There is room to do that so that the future generations are prepared to deal with the stuff that we're not dealing with. Yeah. Well, we're dealing, you and I are dealing with yes. it here right now. You know what I mean? Uh, what is filling you right now? What's filling me? Yeah. What's filling you? Ooh, you know, I, I will say that um, for me, I'm always head down. And when I'm doing something, I'm trying not to remove the distraction. It's the building. It's the goal for me. Uh, I have a DC uh, personality with disc and I like a challenge. And so when I think about, you know, having vision, uh, we had a leader at my day job um, say the other day, he said, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And I try to keep that like, yes, you could have this very public mess up, right? I could be doing this thing and, and completely mess this up. And so um, I, I think that what fuels me is to know that I'm helping transform people's lives. And again, I didn't know that I had this huge impact because I started this during the pandemic. That's when the Melanin Project launched, you know, almost five years ago. And so I feel like um, a lot of what I do is impact. I'm building a movement around this and seeing other people being able to take journeys into entrepreneurship, real estate. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to onboard another financial coach uh, into the Melanin Project. I haven't made that announcement yet. So, again, the movement is starting uh, even if people are taking um, various courses, I'm excited about the transformation. That's what moves me. Awesome. Well, how can people find you quick? 
www.themelaninproject2053.com. Thank you, and I'm Greg Potter, ggpotter.com. To celebrate Tracy Chapman at the Grammys and her CMA Award and Black History Month and everything else we talked about, have a good night. This is Query. Don't you know talking about a revolution sounds while they're standing in the world Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chip.